Good morning, my mighty podcast listeners. We have a great episode for you today. My longtime friend Mike DiCamilla from Booth Review with Nick and Mike is on. And we discussed the 2014 sports drama Draft Day starring Kevin Costner and Jennifer Gardner. If you haven't checked them out yet, do yourself a favor and after this podcast, head over to YouTube and find Booth Review with Nick and Mike. They're just starting out, but there's no doubt that their level of NFL analysis will give you an advantage in your fantasy football season. Or if you just like to watch the game, then it's fun to see their predictions play out as the season unfolds. In either case, Mike lends his sports perspective to this episode's movie Draft Day. And now... On with the show. Draft Day, 2014, Kevin Costner, and Jennifer Gardner, Dennis Leary. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, Dennis, Dennis Leary and Jennifer Gardner. I don't know if I would really claim that they are stars in this uh, movie. Uh, Jennifer Gardner, I think more so. Dennis Leary's in it probably for a total of twelve minutes. Well, Dennis Leary had a more prominent role in it than Jennifer Gardner, in my opinion. Unless you're talking about the personal personal aspect. No, I, I agree. I think I think Dennis Leary's character is more vital to the storyline, but I think uh, Jennifer Gardner's character gets more screen time. So right. I, mean, I guess it's six to one, half a dozen to another. But right. uh, what made you pick this movie? Had you, had you seen it before? Uh, I saw it a long time ago. Um, shoot, it came out in 2014. I was probably drunk when I saw it, so I never really Pretty focused on it, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was, you know, looking through um, more or less football movies, and I was like, man, I don't want to pick like your typical uh any given sunday and shit like that it's like okay this one looks like a, a, a safe bet <laughs> so <laughs> and i liked it never never seen any given sunday never seen draft day i i haven't even seen uh was it rudy dude you've never seen rudy i've never seen rudy Shame I, mean, on you. I know like the cult following i know that it's a pretty prestigious movie that has it's not just a you know a huge sports movie but it's considered you know a, a really good movie in general and I'm sure I will watch it eventually. Just I never had really it's the opportunity. It's funny though, because I was gonna pick that movie. Really? <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, honestly, I'm surprised you didn't, because it's like, a, like I said, it's such an occult movie when it comes to sports. Um, but at, nor have I seen Draft Day. I remember it coming out. I remember seeing the previews and thinking, "Oh, that looks pretty cool." Like nobody's done like a Draft Day movie, and I feel like the hype just didn't. It just it it just didn't get there, you know. And uh, it was gone as quickly as it showed up, but well, I'm glad you line, picked it. The storyline was kind of, uh, in my opinion, wishy-washy. I mean, we know that we get the whole plot in general is the draft's coming up. He's preparing for the draft, but the way that stuff was put together could have been a little better. Yeah, I mean, you got to assume if if you know anything about football, um, you got to assume that the draft day or or the events leading up to the draft day are going to be a very tense stressful situation which i mean is, is prime for a movie um uh, they did sprinkle in some extra bullshit in my opinion with right him 
so Jennifer Gardner plays, um, I would say, a co-worker. She's in charge of like, the financial aspect of the team's um, salary cap and stuff like that. And Kevin Costner is obviously the general manager for the Cleveland Browns. Sonny Weaver Jr. Sonny Weaver Jr. Uh, the, the movie is, is, revolves around him. It's, it, it takes place and it makes very um, painful evidence that this is solely one day. Draft day, that is it. It's, it starts, it's mainly about the top pick in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so the, the movie starts with him waking up. It shows you, you know, like, I don't know, like 16 hours until draft day, or, or, right. or I don't know what the exact time, but... Um, and he's, you know, he's watching TV while he's getting ready in the kitchen for to leave, to go to work. And, uh, you know, they he's watching ESPN, and they're giving some information on certain players. And uh, it's funny, because... I, I watch that stuff. I, I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> Always. Uh, <laughs> I watch that stuff, and I think uh, I wonder if team teams have their own kind of information people that can spout out these statistics and that the, that the announcers do on ESPN or, That's or the scouts. Whatever. The scouts, man. To be honest, they work. Scouts work really hard. Oh, I bet. I bet. Plus, you know, just being fully submerged in that type of world, you're gonna you know, gain that knowledge just through osmosis. But, um, but so he's watching ESPN and he jots something down on a piece of paper and throws it in his pocket. And I, I thought that was funny uh, because I was like, he's, he's getting something from ESPN, but I'm sure he's got like four <laughs> people that work for him that know this stuff. But, but this movie's about the Browns. Don't forget right. about that. Please. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So, uh, so he, le- he, that's when Jennifer Gardner um, pops into frame and he has this, awkward conversation with her because she has apparently prior to the movie starting told him that she's pregnant. Um, so right off the bat, you get the sense that they are fooling around obviously, and that their relationship is not very public, nor is it to the point where pregnancy is something that they're both applauding. Well, you'll, you'll quickly learn that by public, it means it's not talked about. Doesn't mean it's not well known apparently. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, some people in the office kind of, get wind that they're they're messing around but it's not like they're holding hands uh at the at the company christmas party or whatever right um so this this whole subplot I, i'm just gonna this this is a subplot she's pregnant he's not thrilled he learns through the course of the movie that he should stop being a dick to her he stops being a dick to her and they make the relationship known that's the entire subplot of that now that that's out of well, the way we don't you got talk little about ones at all you got little ones like his, in my opinion, his mom. Like, where did that was out of left field? Yeah, his so dad passed away. Right. So you have these two. The the plot of the movie, ninety percent of the movie revolves around draft day and the stresses behind that and all these moves that he's making, um, which we'll we'll get into detail about. You have these two little slub, subplots that serve no purpose in the movie whatsoever. This is, and what I've I've come to realize. Is this is the um, the executives at the studio saying you got to make it something that women will appeal to? You got to right. make it something that kids will appeal to, or you got to be able to grab the fans that aren't just football fans, which is so ridiculous. Well, and, I mean, to put it in layman's terms, how you're saying it is just make it real life. This right. that, that shit happens with people, and they can relate. True, true, but I feel like the issue is. 
And, and this is something that movie executives, no matter how many times I watch movies, no matter how many times I talk about movies, movies, movie executives just don't understand. When you sprinkle in this BS in order to try to make the movie more appealing to a larger audience, you take some of the appeal away from your core audience. Um, right. I mean, so I am obviously a large uh, fantasy fan. I like wizards and dragons and all that happy horse shit. So you don't get good movies in that genre because they take a little bit away in order to sprinkle in these these love stories and, and stuff like that. And I feel like they did the same thing here. They, they sprinkled in this little love story between Kevin Costner and Jennifer Gardner for no real reason other than to make it appealing to to. Well, let's step back though. Look at it. Look at it from this perspective, though. So, if you're if you're a huge football guy, such as myself, I want to go watch the damn movie. You know, obviously not during COVID, but (laughs) if I want to go watch the damn movie, I could tell my wife and say, "Hey, this is a romance uh, movie." (laughs) A hundred percent. And and you know, I watched a lot of the marketing behind this movie and interviews they had with a variety of the stars, and. Oftentimes it came up that, you know, this isn't just a football movie. This is a romantic comedy or they had this subplot, especially the Jennifer Gardner interviews where she was talking about her character and how, you know, she's got to hold her own in this world of men and blah, blah, blah. And it was it was such a, a marketing tool that it was like the, somebody handed them a post-it card and said, these are your talking points. Right. Make sure you touch on the fact that there's a, there's a subplot. And to take it to where you were going and revert it back, I mean... That's really all there was, is that subplot of they're messing around and she's pregnant. And that's literally how it's played out for the entire movie, like you were saying. And that's it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I mean, the movie progresses and you have these these major events that happen, again, revolving around draft day and these moves that Kevin Costner's uh, character is making. But you'd also have these random, like, okay, he's going from location A to location B and he bumps into her. And they got to have this quick, like, 30 seconds. Oh, you're pregnant. That's right. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I was, I was a dick to you earlier. <laughs> they were and caught I, in the closet, weren't they? Yeah, twice. <laughs> twice. There's there's two different closet scenes in this movie, which is two more than you really need it. Um, but I don't know. So that you have that subplot. You also have another subplot, which, again, I feel like is, is useless. But um, like you said, his name is Sonny Weaver Jr., Sonny Weaver Sr. was a coach, and he was a coach for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and this is fictional characters. He wasn't actually a coach, unless I don't think so. Sonny Weaver's not an actual person. So wait, wait a minute. So wait a minute. And we'll get hold that thought. Okay. So do you do you know this is kind of related to a real life story? I did not know that. Okay, we'll get into that. So continue. Can't wait. So Sonny Weaver Sr. is a coach for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you find out through various stories throughout this movie that Kevin Costner fired his father. Uh, he's the general manager. He fired his father. And shortly thereafter, uh, and I use the term shortly loosely, I think it was a couple of years after that, his father passed away, which wound up being fairly recently to the events of the movie. Right. They don't give you any inkling on how long ago his father right. was fired. Right. Um, you, you, there are people that are still giving um, Kevin Costner's character their condolences, which leads you to believe that his father didn't pass away all that Recent. long ago. Right. Uh, plus, plus, you have this scene where his mom shows up with the father's ashes and wants to sprinkle them onto the practice field. And on draft practice, day. Right, yeah. On draft day. Because um, <laughs> the practice field was named after the, the, the dad. So, um, But even so, you have this 
kind the the the, the the subplot that they're trying to do here is that Sonny Weaver Jr. is such a business oriented person that he fired his own dad and you have all these different characters throughout the course of the movie coming up to him and telling him how great his dad was and how there's like whispers of like oh what a dick he fired his own dad i, I think it's i think it's what what you're probably leading into as well is that he there he wasn't flashy he was very by the book data driven yep you know he can see and that's probably why he fired his dad is very data driven mm-hmm. Well, so the it comes out in the movie that he fired his dad because his mom asked him to. His dad was having medical problems, and the stresses of coaching were causing uh, heart prob- heart issues. So the mom said, you know, you know he's not going to walk away from this. You know he's not going to retire. Just please fire him so that he can, you know, take it easy the rest of his life. And he, and he does, and he passes away. But again, there's no real drama other than some strangers kind of whispering behind his back about you know him firing his dad i mean that's really the extent of it you have so you you have this main character who's under all these stresses from draft day and he's got to deal with a girlfriend who's pregnant in this secret relationship and his father passing away and his mom trying to like put the ashes on the practice field <laughs> on the same day but this ultimately just is supposed to add to the stress that this man's under so now we get into the main plot of the movie the main plot of Finally. the movie. Yeah. So, so the, these two subplots happen during this main plot. So, But I'm just not going to keep going back to them because they're pointless. The main plot of the movie is uh, Sonny Weaver Jr., who is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. He has the seventh pick overall in the draft. He has a guy that he wants to get. Um who's actually played by uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, who would later go on to play Black Panther. Bo Callahan. Bo Callahan. He is a running back? He's a quarterback, I believe. No, Bo, so Bo Callahan is the one that's the first pick. Chad Bozeman is the, the other guy. Oh, I'm, see, I'm thinking of Bill, uh, Bo Callahan. Right. P. Yeah. Diddy's athlete. Correct. So he's okay. the quarterback. He's right. the guy in the draft that everybody's saying is he's going to be the number one pick. He's your he's, pro. He's a protege. Oh, he's amazing. You can yeah. build a franchise around stereotypical him. answers. Yeah. The whole nine Johnny yards. Football, if you will. Um, this other guy who that was played by Chadwick, uh, he's Vontae Mack. Um, okay, he is a, a defensive end. Correct. So. He is really good, but he has a few off-the-field issues. Um, he kind of has an attitude problem, mildly. He got ejected from a game because he, you know, touched a ref. But when they show the video, it's really like, debatable, like, right? He didn't. He didn't like fight the ref. He put his hand on the ref's shoulder. But regardless, so Kevin Costner is drafting uh, Vontae Mack. That's that's what he's going to do at well, number he, seven. At number seven. Well, he gets a call from Seattle Seahawks, who are had the number one pick, and they say, you know, why don't do you do you want it? You know, we is don't. That, is that Pete Carroll, by the way? I, I'm curious I to know if that was supposed be. to be. <laughs> it might the be. Dude, so picture this: the guy is sitting in his his high end front office GM or head coach chair in mm-hmm. Seattle with the windows, and he's eating freaking pancakes and syrup. <laughs> he is. It's true. His name is uh, Patrick Saint Eptrit. 
I'm not I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. I mean, he's a he's a pretty well known actor. He's one of those actors that you'll recognize by the face, but you would never right. be able to tell me his name. He right. plays Tom Michaels. Uh, he's the GM of Seattle in the Which movie. They're not, these aren't real. These aren't real guys. Who, whoever they're whoever they're playing is not real guys. But there's there again. There's a story that's very similar with a lot of different moving pieces other than the movie that I'll explain to you in a little bit. But. Can't wait. So um, Seattle calls up the Browns and says, "We're willing to trade the first pick. Do you want it?" Uh, and at first, Kevin Costner was like, "Ah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. We'll see." Um, then the owner of the Browns has a conversation with him and basically says, we got to do something. I need you to make a splash yep. in the draft. I need you to do something that will put fans in the seats. Um, and Kevin Costner pulls out the classic line of like, you know, I'm going to build a good team. And he's like, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really give a shit about winning. I give a <laughs> shit about selling tickets. If you put if you, if you draft me a player that will sell tickets, that's what I care about. So based on that, he decides to make this trade with Seattle where he trades his next three years worth of first-round picks to get this first-round pick. And now, Seattle... it, but now, it's worth noting that when he called the first time, the gentleman from Seattle, the guy said, hey, I want your, first two, I want your next two first-round picks, including this year, I believe, right. and then a second-round pick or something like that. And he says, no. Kevin Costner, a.k.a. Sonny Weaver Jr., says no, and then he gets the whole splash uh, conversation from the owner of the Browns or what have you, and then he has this, you know, come-to-Jesus moment where he's like, okay, well, I got to do this. So he calls a dude, and he goes, I'll take your offer. He goes, that uh, that offer was off the table hours ago is what he says, remember? Right, right. So So then he's... Yeah, yeah he, ended up, he ended up doing this this year's first round pick, and then the, the next two years after that, so three first round picks, which l- would never happen. This deal is so Whoa, unbelievably one sided. It has happened. You, so a team has has given away the first. Do you want? Pick. Do you want me to tell you the the notes right now? That not, happened. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I want to hear your whole story, but just so th- my my mindset in watching this is like this is such an unbelievable deal that it's ridiculous. Because first off, Seattle's going from the first pick to the seventh pick, so they're not losing much at all. I mean, granted, in the NFL, you know, the first couple picks are, are really important, but going from the first to the seventh, you're not losing much, and you're gaining the next two years of of their first round picks. Like it's so unbelievably lopsided. Three years. It's it's, well, it's crazy. It's the, this year, the following two years, and it's, it's right. crazy. Yeah, that is a lot. So he ends up making the deal, and you can kind of, at least I did from watching it, you got this sense that he kind of instantly regretted it. But he's going to wind up drafting this all-star quarterback. Um, well, now, hold on. So wait there, though. So let's make the, view, the, the, the listeners understand that you traded three years' worth of picks. Mm-hmm. First-round picks, which are very hard to come by, very... Uh, you know, they're worth something in the NFL world, right? Yeah. And you traded those away for this, as you said, Bo Callahan character, who is apparently the next coming of Peyton Manning, per se. Right. But you got Brian Shaw, or what was his name? Brian um, Drew. Right. Brian Drew in the locker room that the dude made one mistake, and now you're going to say, hey, you used to be our first-round pick. But you're not going to be our starter, so really, you're not even giving up more. You're giving up more than the first round picks, right? Yeah, you're moving absolutely. on from your young quarterback. 
Yeah, so they've got a quarterback that I believe is prone to injury, or he was injured or whatever, but he's gone through extensive training. He even says at one point, I'm I'm at the best I've ever been in my career. Um, and he has, so th- this again, just adds to the stress because you got this quarterback that you've already got on your team. He's freaking out because he knows that you made the move and that you're going to be drafting a new quarterback. You're walking away from the guy that you wanted to pick up. Um, and then you got, you're drafting this new quarterback. So he tells his team, like, we got to look into this new quarterback. I know we, we looked at him a little bit, but we didn't think it was a, it was a possibility that we were going to draft him. Um, but we got to look into him again. Uh, and this is kind of where his his issues um, come into effect with um, Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary plays the coach of the team, and he he's he was formerly the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He comes to the team. They used to win, right? So that that's <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie. He's got he has a Super Bowl ring that he he earned at Dallas. And when Kevin Costner explains to them, you know, the trade he made to get the first round pick, Dennis Leary loses his mind. He's like, well, number one, you you traded away our next three years worth of prospects. And he said, you pay me $30 million <laughs> to coach this team. And you don't even ask me? Right. You didn't even ask me? what I, And he's like, well, that's, that's not your job. He's like, you know, um, he's like, is that how they, or he goes, that's how they did it in Dallas. Or there's, I'm trying to think of how the exact exchange goes. He makes some comment about, uh, oh, is that how they did it in Dallas? Or, or what do they do in Dallas? And Dennis Leary says, they won. And he shows him the Super Bowl ring, which I thought was pretty comical. And he said but, they won a lot. Yeah. So they had this ongoing tension because Dennis Leary, who is the coach of the team and trying to win games, is essentially not given much of a say when it comes to the moves that Kevin Costner's doing in order to build the team that that Dennis Leary is going to coach, which this is an interesting dynamic. And I would love to hear your take on how teams actually deal with this, because I know that some teams largely incorporate their coaches into the conversation about drafts and other teams really don't. Not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily really depends on the team. I mean, if you look at um, the 49ers, obviously it's my team. So it's the, it's the one I lean heavily on and that's, you got a GM in John Lynch who really understands the game because he's been there and he's played it. And Kyle Shanahan, who his dad, Mike Shanahan, won a Super Bowl uh, in, in the National Football League. So you get these two sides, like Kyle Shanahan is a coach and uh, the GM is is John Lynch. But John Lynch allows him to be a part of it so they can collaborate and do what's best for the team. But like you said, you might have teams that – Back in the day, the Niners, uh, pre-Jim Harbaugh, when it was, um, you know, Trent Belke was our GM and things like that. I mean, Trent Belke would draft guys that the coach didn't even want. Jim Harbaugh didn't even want. That's why Jim Harbaugh left. So I that that's the aspect I don't understand. I mean, I know there are teams that do it both ways, but I don't see how you could not at least – like, I'm not saying that the coach has to make all the decisions – but how can you expect the coach to lead the team if they're not even available for the conversation as to who you draft? I mean, it's, it's crazy it, to me. It depends on how far removed you are. I mean, if you look at the quote-unquote uh, Washington football team, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dan Snyder, man, he's so far removed from the game. It's not football anymore. It's business. And if you look at his track record, it's let's not draft good players. Let's trade our draft picks away and let's draft these veterans that have big names. 
I mean, yeah, maybe maybe that's what the owner here in the movie was trying to do because at the end of the day, um, the Washington football team, they're not really contenders. Uh, I mean, they put up a good fight, but they have a very tough division. And they do still sell tickets. They sell a lot of tickets. I mean, right. I, as somebody who lived in D.C., uh, they were a very popular team. They have a, a huge support, uh, core support uh, structure behind them. Um, and so maybe winning isn't that important. I mean, it's always been kind of translated. The more the more you win, the more the fans are proud, the more they want to come and watch. Um, but maybe sometimes all you need is a name. Yeah, that's a good point. So... So he uh, he has this confrontation with Dennis Leary. Um, they have this little pissing match. Uh, there's a great scene where Dennis Leary is in uh, Kevin Costner's office, and he's just got done setting um, one of their pamphlets or reports on fire um, just for dramatization. And Jennifer Gardner walks in and, and puts it out with a fire extinguisher. And Dennis Leary and Kevin Costner are like nose to nose. And Jennifer Gardner standing in the middle. And Dennis Leary makes some comment about like, you know, can you can you get me a coffee? And Kevin Costner's like, that's not her job. Jennifer Gardner's like, what do you want in your coffee? And he's like, <laughs> three creams or, or something like that. And, and she's like, oh, okay, great. Get it yourself. And walks out like, it's just... It was a great exchange, and I think it is really one of the only scenes, I think, where she does kind of, uh, you know, show her balls when it comes to the the man's world. You know what's funny is they used that scene twice. They used it for that scene, and they also used it for the mom. For the mom. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, get me a coffee, and Kevin Costner was the one saying, that's not her job. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 I'll get it, I'll get it. Yeah, 100%. And I... There's got to be some reason, like there's got to be some correlation the director or the writer was trying to do um, in showing the tension between not just Dennis Leary and Kevin Costner, but well, maybe maybe it was a side of her where where she kind of bowed down to earlier in the episode to say, oh no, to, not bow down. I'm sorry, you said that she gave backlash. She wouldn't do it, but right. when it came to Kevin Costner's mom, she was like, no, 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 not a big deal. So that's that's probably a good point to point out the fact that the director on this movie, Ivan Reitman, which is insane. Right. Uh, I Ghostbusters. Mean, yeah, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop, Junior, Father's Day, Six Animal Days, House. Seven Nights, He's Animal House, Animal Stripes, House. Meatballs. I mean, twins. But you want to hear a funny thing about that, though, is Ivan Reitman's son directed Juno and Thank You for Smoking. Another great director. Um, I mean, he's produced a ton of movies. I I guess the shocking part to me is that his movies have a very distinct feel to them. I mean, it, or at least, yeah, at least the, the older ones do, the, the 80s movies that he had, some of the early 90s. Space Jam, dude. Well, he's, yeah, he's a producer on Space Jam. Um, this movie doesn't have an Ivan Reitman feel to me. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying the movie's bad. I'm not saying that he did a bad job by no means, but I'm saying just I if you would have given me a hundred tries, I don't think I would have guessed this was an Ivan Reitman movie. And and you said it earlier that there's not really another draft day movie. Right. There's documentaries, so maybe his way of jumping into it um, 
was just trying to grab hold of that first movie and he didn't he didn't have the time to put into it to say okay this is what you know let's take our time let's develop the story he just it seemed like he just kind of threw it together yeah that, that's true um I, I think what was interesting about this was that kevin costner made the comment in a couple of different interviews that he gets a ton of sports movies to do not really sure why um or if that was just him blowing smoke to the interviewer but he said he picked this one because it was draft day and it was it was a different different look at the sports world yeah that was it. never done before yeah i think it's a very well done he also made a good comment that um when he originally read the script he knew right off the bat that if they didn't get the nfl to sign on that there was no way he was going to do the movie. He's like, I'm not, I'm not working for the New York Ducks. It's got to be the Cleveland Browns. Like, it's got to be an NFL team. Legitimately. That makes sense. Yeah, and luckily they did get the NFL to sign on, and the NFL was part of a lot of promotions. There's a couple NFL people in the movie. I mean, it's not um, the movie. It's not the movie Concussion, right? No, it's not the movie Concussion. <laughs> that was Will Smith. Great movie, by the way. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. That was. I don't know. Oh, you watched it recently? That's, I did. I watched cool. it recently. Um, <laughs> It was, it was a great movie. So Roger Goodell wasn't in it, but he was in this movie. <laughs> That's true. Luke Wilson. Wouldn't it have been great if he just popped in at the end? Like, but Roger hey. Goodell was in this movie twice. In this, oh, it's well, yeah, he actually like actual Roger Goodell was in this. That's movie. what I'm saying. That, yeah. Is that awkward? It's a little bit. Uh, they should have had a, a, a Luke Wilson play him anyway, just just for the sake of doing it. So, um, so he dra- he trades away the picks. He gets the first pick. He's he's looking into this this all star quarterback, and he finds some things that don't make sense. Um, fairly ridiculous things. Like, for example, he's an all-star quarterback. Um, he got into a little bit of trouble on his 21st birthday. Um, nothing serious. But what he was able to find out by the police report that was filed was that there was no other team players uh, at his birthday party. So Which how does this... It's his 21st birthday, right? 21st birthday, he's the all-star quarterback. He's obviously the lead of the offense and not a single... It's very odd, which, I mean, again, this is something where I I understand why they're putting it in the movie. It's it's the clue, if you will, for Sherlock Holmes to find and pull on. But in the same token, uh, we've both been uh, to numerous 21st birthday parties. Even if you don't like the guy, you're going to go because the 21st (laughs) birthday. Like, you're going to go and get hammered because... You know, if it's not your birthday, then your mission is to make that guy throw up or right, exactly. pass out or do yeah, something if stupid. They, if they did show up, they're more likely your friend because they don't <laughs> want you to have that. Um, but it's it's various kind of oddball things like this that causes Kevin Costner to kind of pull on the string and uh, get to the point where he's like, I'm not too sure about this guy. That's the told you so moment. Yeah. So he actually, so when the, when the trade becomes public, uh, Vontae Mack, uh, reaches out to Kevin Costner and they have this conversation where Vontae's pretty pissed off because he realizes that by you trading up, you're not going to be drafting me. And he says, check the footage and see what happened when I sacked him in college. And Kevin Costner goes back and he checks the footage and come to find out every time Vontae would rush, this all-star quarterback would lose his nerve and either ground the ball or... Well, no. No, so that's not it. So this is what they found out. So they he would get hit by right. Mac. Yeah. And the very next play, every time, as soon as they hiked the ball, before players were ready to get into their formations and their uh their their routes for the receivers, as soon as there was a defender coming at him, the dude would throw the ball away. Like he would right. get like even when Mac wasn't on the field. Right. He'd get he's getting shaky. He's getting he's getting scared. Um 
so ultimately Kevin Costner decides I'm not going to draft him. Now, mind you, the owner has flown to the draft. He's had a Jersey made like this is going to be his thing. You know, we get the first pick. We're taking the all-star quarterback. I'm going to present him the Jersey on stage. So draft comes, they put their pick in, they end up picking Vontae Mack first pick somebody they could have gotten at seventh, but they didn't. Uh, the owner's pissed. The owner's, you know, immediately goes back to the office and he's freaking out. But what happens with the second pick? They don't take the all-star quarterback. The third pick, they don't take the all-star quarterback. And this guy starts falling. And before you know it, much like, you know, many things, it's always like, well, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with him, but because nobody else is picking him, I don't want to pick him either. They must know something I don't know. So this guy continues to drop. Which is and, crazy to me. Which, which is, is crazy, crazy to me. Right. So pick number six is... I the think Jacksonville we, Jaguars. Okay, so Jacksonville Jaguars has pick number six. Yep. And Kevin Costner has this light bulb moment and decides, I know what I'm going to do. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetAtowl.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. He reaches out to the uh, uh, the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars and says, give me your sixth pick. And he's a rookie GM or whoever the hell that guy was. Yeah. He says, give me your sixth pick. I will give you my second round pick for the next three years. So he's going to lose his first and his second round pick because of the two trades he's made. Dennis Leary is flipping his shit and goes up to Kevin Costner and says, I quit. I'm done. And he says, stop. Give me, you know, the rest of the night. Tell me if you want to quit in the morning or tell me if you want to quit when I'm done. The, uh, the owner comes in, the owner's screaming at him and he says, I need five minutes then you can fire me. The owner comes in and says, you're a dead man. You're a dead he man. He was that yeah. pissed. Which is crazy because <laughs> he's like 800 years old. There's no way that guy's <laughs> So he, he talks Jacksonville Jaguars into making the trade. So he's got the sixth pick. He's on well, the clock. You're, you're not giving that enough. That that scene was very important. This and scene was kind of rolled over it. Well, because I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I You're he, not giving it enough credit. That's the stepping stone. Here's my issue with with this this whole event. I wish there would have been more stress and build up and and chess, if you will, across the entire draft. We right. basically see the first eight picks and then the drama's gone. It's over. Right. Um, and I, I felt like they could have done more with it. Um, and, and we'll get into that a little later because it, it explains kind of my overall feeling on the movie. Um, he ends up getting the sixth round pick. And with this, he calls up Seattle, who has the seventh pick. And he basically says, listen, I'm going to draft your guy if you don't trade me. You give me back my seventh pick. You give me back the first rounders that I traded to you earlier. You move up to sixth. You get your all-star quarterback. And you look like a genius because you got him at sixth, which is $7 million left. You saved $7 million against the cap. Right. So you don't really lose anything. You gain seven million on the cap, 
and I come out looking a little bit better as well. So ultimately, they have this little pissing match where he's like, oh, I'm not taking it. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to take it. And the, the clock is, is going down. And finally, at the last second, he's OK, fine. He does. It. Well, well, hold on now. So remember earlier where the Kevin Costner made the phone call and says, I'll yep. take that. I'll take that uh, uh, trade that you offered me. And the gentleman at Seattle said, well, that was hours ago. That's a different lifetime. Right. right? So I, now I want your three first round picks. So with Kevin Costner, a.k.a. Sonny Weaver Jr., um, after 30 seconds of Seattle deliberating and one of the gentlemen saying, hey, that's going to fix our cat problem. Uh, he says, okay, we'll do it. And Kevin Costner said, hey, that was 30 seconds ago. That was a lifetime ago. Now, now the trade offer is different. We want this Putney uh, special teams guy. The, the punt returner or something. Right. right. He tax that on for, yep. you know, why not? Um, but he ends up getting the agreement and it's like, oh my God. So he he has his seventh pick back. He drafts another guy that's like phenomenal. Um, so he winds up getting, he loses his second round picks for three years, gets two phenomenal players. He looks like he's a genius because he was able to move up to the first pick and not really lose anything. And, and the movie basically ends from there with with him making somewhat amends with his mother and his girlfriend and you know the owner and the coach and everything right. everybody's happy go lucky well a few things i want to point out though is one they got their seventh round pick or their seventh pick back in the first round from seattle right with with said pick and i'm going to i'm going to see if you realize this with said seventh pick they picked up a running back Yep, Ray which, Jennings, which tied into the quarterback from earlier that had had an injury problem. Uh, um, so to tie those together, first and foremost, Ray Jennings was the Browns' seventh pick. Do you know who that actor is in the movie? Uh, Arian Aaron Foster. Arian Foster, who played for the Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins in the NFL. Oh man, phenomenal I mean, running back. Yeah, he's an actual uh, football player. I did not yep. know that. Yep. So he played for the he played for the Houston Texans, I believe, during the Kyle Shanahan era, when uh, uh, they had a good tight end and a, and a Brendan Schaub was their quarterback. That's, yeah. He, so he played for the Texans from '09 to 2015, and then the Dolphins, and the Dolphins, and then he retired. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. I did not know that. So another Shoot. thing too. Let me back up. So now at the end of the movie, so to put all the plot together, they drafted. Uh, with the number one overall pick, they drafted the defensive end, Mac. Mm-hmm. They drafted in the seventh pick, the running back. So, which means they're going to keep their quarterback. But a part that I want to kind of go back to, and a neat story that I heard, um, is one of the main characters went up to to uh, Sonny Weaver Jr. and said, "Hey, look, this is a piece of advice I'm going to give you." He said, "We always play this hundred dollar bill trick on these guys." Oh coming yeah. Out of and he said that what they do is they put the $100 bill in the back of the playbook, and they give you the playbook. And he said, we've done that six times. Three of those guys didn't even notice the money was there, which means they haven't read the playbook. Right. Right. And he goes, do you want to know who one of those guys is? And he's like, no, I don't want to know. He's like, I'm going to tell you. It's Bo Callahan. Not only did he not realize it was there, but after we told him we played the trick on him, he lied again. Right. Yeah, he's a, he's the only guy that had the balls to kind of right. to continue the lie. Now, to, but which to is another one of those bit. things that he he pulls on. The reason why he's not a big fan of the of Bo during the draft. Well, this is what pushed him over the edge. 
Right. Because then, then he said, you know what? There's only one guy that sent the $100 back with a letter and said, keep this until I win you a Super Bowl. And right. he says, you know who that was? That was Brian Drew. And that was his quarterback that was injured begging him, let me have this team. So that yeah. that's worth noting. That, that you're, you're 100% right. That's a very good scene. I also like, uh, so as we touched on earlier in the first kind of opening scene when he's watching ESPN, he jots something down on a, on a post-it note, puts it in his pocket that he was watching ESPN. And throughout the whole movie, he has these random moments where he's pulling out this post-it note and kind of just playing with it. Um, well, when he finally, when the draft is over, he finally pulls a post-it note out and throws it on his desk or whatever. And Jennifer Gardner comes over and she opens it. And on it, it says, Vontae Mack, you know, first, no matter what. Yep. Which is what he wound up doing. He wound up dra- drafting Vontae Mack in the first round anyway. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting because I can only imagine how many times, you know, that, that's probably true. It has happened where somebody's like, this is who I'm drafting, period, end of conversation. And then you go through, you know, days of all these changes that you're going to make and things you're going to do differently <laughs> just to wind up back to where you originally started. So, well, I mean, yeah, a lot of times they already know who's the top 15. Yeah. So, so what is, what's your story on, on this being real or the, the the actual version of this. Okay. So first off, I want to give a shout out first off to Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott in this movie was the Wisconsin head coach. Sam Elliott, a.k.a. the, the I believe he's the banquet beer uh, <laughs> voice in those commercials. Also on like the ranch on Netflix. Phenomenal actor. He was in this movie, surprisingly. That yeah. Random. Very, very good point. I, I did not touch on that. He's on screen for all of three minutes. He plays Coach Moore, the head coach of the University of Wisconsin, former coach to Bo Callahan. And uh, Kevin Costner calls him at one point to kind of get his take on Bo. Um, great, yeah, great, phenomenal actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, so it was worth noting. I thought it was funny that he, he was from Wisconsin. And not even to touch on this trade, uh, do you know who came out of Wisconsin that year? In the NFL draft, 2012? Obviously, obviously uh, James Smith. No, obviously Russell Wilson. Right. That was my second. <laughs> All right. So so back to what you were saying is that this is – I was struggling with this because I'm a, such a, a huge football fan and I follow statistics and history. And I, I couldn't watch this movie without trying to compare it to the trade in 2012. Uh, and in the trade in 2012, I mean the Redskins or the Washington football team um, made a trade with the then St. Louis Rams, a.k.a. now the Los Angeles Rams, for Robert Griffin III. But it wasn't the first overall pick. It was the second overall pick. Okay, so what was the trade? So the Redskins received pick number two in 2012 draft, a.k.a. Robert Griffin III, because Andrew Luck went number one. Right. The Rams received uh, the Redskins first round pick number six that round, who they then traded to Dallas. Wow. Right. They had their second round pick that year, number 39, who they drafted Janoris Jenkins, a DB, who actually played really well in the the coming seasons. He was a wily veteran. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they also traded a first round pick in 2013, a first round pick in 2014. So Jesus. they did give up three first round picks and a second round pick for RG three the third. Who, I mean, in his defense, was a great player for the whole thirty seconds that he played. Uh, right. I mean, he uh, unfortunately, I think when you have a running quarterback, 
you're you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to get, you know, some longevity out of him if he can stay healthy or you're going to wind up, you know, uh losing half his life because of, you know, the the running aspect of it. I mean, who well, I mean, I, I mean, but I, I think Robert Griffin especially was just poorly managed and the and this is why I struggle with this. So this is why I said earlier is that this movie was if you think about the way that that trade went down, this movie you could say it was depicted on the Washington Redskins because of that trade, correct? Yeah. So that that would leave um, the head coach. What was his name? Dennis Leary. Mm-hmm. That would be Mike Shanahan. That's that's interesting. And Bruce Allen would be Sonny Weaver Jr. And Bruce Allen's dad did and was a big uh, prominent football figure. So it kind of ties together. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, maybe you, you hit the nail right on the head. Maybe that is uh, some sort of you know loose uh, basis for the movie. That's interesting. I did not know that. So the the movie comes out uh, April eleventh, two thousand fourteen. Um, budget of twenty five million dollars. Uh, box office twenty nine million. So for all extensive purposes, it is a flop, um, making just a little over four million dollars back. Um, Hundred and ten minute runtime. So I mean, my my overall issue with the movie. So first off, I'll say this: the, the movie wasn't bad. Uh, I've watched some pretty bad movies in my life. Uh, this was not a bad movie. This is one of those movies that you could put on some background noise while you stare at your phone, um, and you'll be entertained. It's not something that I think you need to pay super high attention to. Um, I, I think where they ultimately... What, what, what really confused the hell out of me was I'm watching all these interviews with all these stars, Kevin Costner and Jennifer Gardner and Dennis Leary, and, and uh, Kevin Costner makes a couple different comments about how he could really see this being like a cult classic. You know, it's, it's American <laughs> football and it's, it's going to be an American football movie. And it's something that you could, you know, it pertains to, to football for years to come. You can put it on anytime you want and just watch it over and over again. Yada, yada, yada. But the issue with me was that I must have watched probably about 45 minutes worth of interviews. I mean, I even watched P. Diddy's interview on the movie. I was going to say, it's surprising to see him as an agent on there. It was Which random. crazy. Um, and he, in his interview, he went on and talking about how he played football growing up and how he had aspirations to go to the NFL. I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> but anyway, my, my issue is, is that after 45 minutes worth of interviews, I gained zero information on this movie. This movie is too vanilla. It, it right. plays it too safe. There's There's no real... This this whole the whole premise behind the movie is supposed to be this high stress environment. It's draft day. There's so much writing on it, and I never really got that sense. Um, I mean, even to the point where Kevin Costner's character, you you really get you're supposed to get the idea that his entire job depends on this going well. And I, I just I don't get the sense that he cares. I mean, I do get the sense that he could be fired if it doesn't go well. But it's like he doesn't he doesn't care. So I mean, so what do you what do you what do you think would fix the movie? Do you think they need to like make it a longer time frame? Do you think that, that's a really good 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 question? I don't know. I I like the idea of it just being draft day. I say you drop the Jennifer Gardner shit completely. I I just don't need it. I I give me a prominent female in the what movie. What about the I'm, dad and the mom shit? Th- get rid of all that too. I yeah, just I just don't I need it. I think you put more drama into the team dynamic and the and the Dennis Leary's coaching thing. But I think um, if they should focus more on on them being garbage 
or not so good of a team the previous year. Yeah, that, that, great point. Show me, show me, you know, flashbacks or, or headlines with them being zero and eight, or right. missing the playoffs for the tenth straight year, and your quarterbacks or, injured or whatever. Right, or their actual name is the Buffalo Bills or something like that. You know, that would have been <laughs> no. That's that laterals. <laughs> that's a lot of laterals. <laughs> I'm just, I, I you could have given me more about draft day and not sprinkled in this other stuff that doesn't really matter for the sake of marketing and, and going to a wider audience. But again, with that being said, it wasn't a bad movie. It just didn't, didn't do much. It's very vanilla. It's very safe. And right. I think that's ultimately what, what was wrong with it. What What is your take on it? I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the, the, the movie was very vanilla, very blah, very, not much to it besides the add-ins like Jennifer Gardner and w- which, at the end of the day, doesn't even do shit. It doesn't add to the, add value to the outcome of the of the movie. Um, maybe it gives a little cherry on top that hey, this is the end of the movie, but that's about it. Um, but I mean, I think it's it's a good movie for your very like like I am. I'm very football invested. Everything mm-hmm. about my life is football, so I enjoyed it. But if you're not a hundred percent into football. You're gonna, you know, you're not gonna like this movie that much, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so as you may or may not know, uh, we have a couple games we like to play here on the podcast. Didn't know. You didn't know that. All right. Well, well, we do. One of the games we like to play is that I've come up with five generic questions that I think apply to all movies. Um, and I like to ask my guests these questions as it pertains to the movie that we're talking about, which is 2014 Draft Day, starring Kevin Costner and Dennis Leary and Jennifer Gardner. So question and number one. Diddy. And P. Diddy. Can't, can't forget him. He had a big, big role in this movie. Um, he's so annoying in this movie. He's annoying in everything he does. Dude, so, if you Hold on. So let, think about his character in the movie. All he really does is answer the phone, pass it to Bo Callahan, and just sit there and be like, say this. Yeah. Say this. What do you say? Right. And at the end of the movie, he's got to see where, I really need you to get back in there. Yeah. Come on. Jesus. <laughs> um, okay. Question number one. What aspects of the storytelling were done right? What aspects were done wrong, and who do you give credit to? Oh, so what aspects were done right? I think the aspect of the um, the team, as far as the coaches, and how dysfunctional. If you make a if a GM dis- decides to make a decision, how badly you can mess something up in the locker room. And culture is pivotal in, in an NFL team being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they did right. They depicted very good coaching and, and I want to do this, I don't want to do that, things like that. Um, what they did wrong is they didn't give me enough meat and potatoes for the entire movie. I agree. I, I, like I said earlier, they don't uh, they don't tell me were they good last year, were they bad last year. They don't give me enough information to say the shit that's happening right now is good or bad. You know, I don't know. You're 100% right, and it's funny that I didn't think about that until you just said something. Um, how much the past year's record or the, the past three years' record plays into this draft? I mean, you could have added so much more drama and suspense if you had told me, yeah, they were horrible last year, or yeah, they went 0-8 or whatever. I mean, at this point, hell, they could have made the playoffs last year. Right. You know, and, That's and what this I'm saying. Draft doesn't mean as much. And being that being an avid football fan, I look at it like this is okay, if they were if they were a team that went to the NFC or AFC or in this case it'd be NFC championship game. And if if for some reason they showed me in the movie that okay, I know they're almost like done with their cap space, then the trades might make sense. Right. 
But it's like, okay, but if you were an 0-16 team who doesn't have any veterans, then the trade is like you're an idiot. You just have all this money. You can get veterans. So it doesn't give me enough. Yeah, I mean, show me, and I think they do touch on this. There's a brief conversation in the movie where this is brought up, but it should have been more of a plot point. Show me where the team was 5-0 and with the quarterback that they had. He gets that injured, point. and then yep. they go 5-10. and 10, You know, show me, because... Realistically, at no point did I think Kevin Costner was going to draft Bo. Me neither. And and that's that you got to give me, show me why it would make sense for him to do that. Give me, like, man, this is a really tough decision for him. That's why when I saw that scene with uh, Brian Drew, I um, automatically knew I was like, they're keeping him. Why would you, why would you have that scene in there? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. Question number two What is the biggest unanswered question for you about this movie? And do you think it was done intentionally? Ooh, biggest unanswered question is it's going to have to be how they turned out. I mean, you you have movies that they show the future, like they wouldn't they go to the playoffs, they do something, they win their division. That's and deliberately, I hope not, because that'd be that'd be stupid. <laughs> you're you're a hundred percent right, and it's funny. I read the question and in my head, I thought the exact same thing. You know, it'd be great is the follow up where where you know Vontae Mack ends up um, getting arrested for domestic abuse prior to game one, um, and Bo Callahan goes on to win the Super Bowl. Because uh, that would just destroy everything that you watched that is a, the movie. That is a very uh, Jim Kelly-esque story for you, <laughs> a.k.a. the wannabes. So do you, do you think that was done intentionally? No, not at all. I think yeah, it I was... So they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough to play with, and they just kind of ended it. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, the more the more I, I, I watch this, the more I can't help but think that you know, maybe not so much Kevin Costner because his pick in movies is a little weird. But um, Ivan Reihart and, and the the, the um, uh, production company, they, I, I I just think they saw this as a safe bet. I think you know, we, Kevin Costner saw this as a bigger draw, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I think I think he's just delusional. Um, but I think the rest of them saw this as you know, this is a pretty safe bet. We can make a pretty decent movie, and maybe we'll make some money off of it. Um, And it just didn't turn out that way. Um, Okay, question number three. Personal connection is important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real-life story that happened to you? Honestly, not a real-life story. Um, Because it's it's, it's draft day, you know what I mean? So I can tell you about, hey, I was glad the Niners drafted uh, Nick Bosa with the second pick of that one draft a few years back. Uh, But honestly, what stood out to me, and you'll get this because you've been my friend for years, um, I listened a lot more during this movie. So when they said things that didn't make sense to me, I want to sh- make sure they were brought to light. Uh, so at the very first part of the movie, if for those of you who don't know, Chris Berman is a very is a sports commentator who's well known for the Mike Allstott, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers days with the boof, boof, boof. He's rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. That's Chris Berman, right? Well, at the beginning of this movie, he makes a comment and he says. At, uh, at the end of this draft, 224 men are going to find themselves a home. Er, that's incorrect. <laughs> now, if you do if you do the math, there's seven rounds of the draft, 32 teams, 224, right? But then you're leaving out the compensatory picks. So technically, per year, there's 256 draft picks. That's where it hit home for me, and I was like, <laughs> man, this is ridiculous. The whole movie just went for a bunch of shit after that. <laughs> they can't get that right. I don't want to watch the rest of it. <laughs> That is that is such a you. <laughs> that is perfect. That is perfect. 
Um, okay, question number four. What is the most important sequence in the movie? The most important sequence... Oh, man, that's, that's a tough question, too, because you can talk about what sequences are leading up to it. You know, I can go for one of those weak limbs, but the the sequence that played a role in my mind is the end, where he put his hand out in front of the GM and says, hold on, give me five minutes. Do you still then, want to fire me in five minutes? Do it. <laughs> so I, I disagree with you, only for this reason. I, I think you're right. I think that scene is the most dramatic scene in the movie. Uh, it's definitely the scene where you're like, yeah, you know, get right. him, you know? right. But I think the most important scene is that first trade he makes to get the first pick and to get rid of the, the next three. Because without that, there, there's no issue. Without but you that, could, but then you could say you could say that the most important scene then is the GM telling him make a splashy pick or uh, make true. a splash. Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Because I mean that ultimately leads to him making that trade and so on. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess you're right. That, that should be the most important scene because if the owner had just kept his mouth shut and let everything happen as normal, he would have picked, he would have picked uh, Von Mack at seven, and probably end up picking Ray Jennings after that anyway. And then he'd have his picks, his second round picks for next year. So wait a minute. So if anything, <laughs> now that we do the, the analytics on this, Kevin Costner gave away his second round picks for the next three years for no reason. He for got the two? same players he would have. Well, you don't know if Ray Jennings was going to be there, but you True. know, you know, Mac was going to be there. Yeah. So he's ultimately a horrible GM and should be fired. But if you look back and you look at it now, Arian Foster was a pretty good running back. But that's not really apples to apples. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number five If you could recast two roles in the film, what roles would they be? Who would you recast in them and why? Pete Diddy. <laughs> I, would, I would 100% recast Pete Diddy. And I think I would put in, and honestly, this is for good. This is for good reason. Um, Jay Z, because he's oh, an agent. Yeah, and a very good agent, from what I hear. That's interesting. I don't know if I don't know if Jay Z would have would have done this movie. Because I don't think he was an agent at that time, though. That's why it's difficult. Chris Crawford is uh, is who Sean Combs plays. Chris <laughs> Crawford, ridiculous. And then. Um, my second, we said two, right? Mm -hmm, yep. I would have had Luke Wilson play uh, play uh, <laughs> Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. <laughs> Nobody else was born to play Roger Goodell like Luke Wilson. Uh, such a great pairing. Such of, a lookalike, man. Such a lookalike. Um, I don't know. I think I would have liked to have seen Sam Elliott as the Dennis Leary character. Just swap them, you know? Uh, not Nothing against Dennis Leary. I like him. I think he did good in this role. He definitely has that kind of hothead mentality. But when you look at coaches in the NFL... You have a wide range of personalities. You have some coaches who are that hothead and overdramatic and get really, you know, amped up and crazy. And I could see Sam Elliott playing kind of more of a Bill Belichick, you know, real mellow and right. and just kind of talks. And and I, I don't, I'm not saying one would have been better than the other, but I think Sam Elliott would have been the less vanilla pick and might have spiced up the movie a little bit. That's a good point. Um, one thing you didn't touch on, I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, Terry Crews is in this movie, former NFL player. Really awkward, though. He wasn't very a good football player. No, how, how long did he play for? Two years? Not, years? Yeah, I would say not long. He was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams in the 11th round of the 91 NFL draft. Yeah, so that's when drafts were longer. His career included stints with the Rams, six games, San Diego Chargers, 10 games, and the Washington Redskins, 16 games, Philadelphia Eagles, where he didn't play at all, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> Can you can you be on a team and not play at all? That's just yes. Maybe he got injured. It's probably what he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine. Um, 
Okay, so one of the other games we like to play here, uh, for those of you who are not aware, I've been living under a rock for the last 10 years. It is a website called Rotten Tomatoes, where you're allowed to go as a critic or as a fan and rate movies. So we like to play a little game called Guess That Tomato, where I have my guest guess the audience score for the movie that we are watching. Again, that movie, Draft Day 2014, starring Kevin Costner, Jennifer Gere. Jennifer Gardner, rather, and Dennis. Jennifer Gear is that like Richard Gear's Jennifer. daughter? <laughs> Jennifer, yeah. Um, so go ahead, guess what the audience score is for Draft Day, zero to one hundred. The audience score. So last time, oh man, I want to say fifty-five. Fifty-five. That that is surprisingly generous for what I would have rated this movie. <laughs> Um, so now I'm going to give you an option. You can choose, I can, as a hint, I can give you the critic score, which tends to be no help whatsoever because the critics and audience are usually polar opposites, or I can give you three movies that are within 2% points of this movie to help you guess. Let's do, let's do the movies. Okay. So I have decided to do something special for you. Um, because you are such a huge sports fan, I decided that instead of giving you movies, I'm going to give you sports statistics that'll hopefully get you close to the, uh, the right answer here. So, uh, statistic number one, this movie's rating is the same as Peyton Manning's career completion percentage. Oh, you said it's the same, the same, same exact percentage. How does the, does the decimal round up? Um, I can't. I can't give you that. The decimal rounds as it would normally. I'll say that. Uh, no, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint number two. It is this movie's percentage rating is fifteen points higher than Tom Brady's single season touchdown pass passing record. Oh, that's, you just gave that away to me because that you pass know, went to Randy Moss. It was the fiftieth touchdown pass of that year. He is. He is second. All time. Do you know who's number one? Yeah, Drew Brees. No, Peyton Manning. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Peyton Manning. Yeah, he threw it against the Niners. Yeah, he broke the record against the Niners. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then the, your third statistic, uh, James Paxton's number, who I believe is supposed to be a baseball player. I was gonna say I, James I, Paxton. Yeah, I went. I, I, I went different sport on this. I don't know. I figured you're a baseball fan too. James James Paxton's number. Well, I don't know who that guy is. James, yeah, the one, you know who the James one... Paxton is? Come on. Obviously, James Paxton is, and I'm reading this off my page. He played 102 games uh, into his major league career, and he'd already had a no-hitter and an eagle. Wait a minute. How do you have a no-hitter and an eagle? And They're different sports. I don't know. What's an eagle in baseball? Drop down get your eagle on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what the, the website I found said. I don't know. Baseball is not my, not my go-to. But anyway... Those are your those are your uh, your hints. But you said your... you said the the second one was f- how many above fifteen his... points higher than you already, Tom Brady's... you already gave it to me because like I said I watched that year I believe the year that Tom Brady broke that record to Randy Moss like I'm saying they lost in the Super Bowl when Michael Strahan was there. And Plaxico Burris caught the touchdown pass where I think the score was like sixteen to ten or something like that, with like a minute left. Where the the he, the helmet catch, the helmet. So catch. I believe that helmet. year he had fifty touchdown passes in a year, and that would put my number at sixty-five. 
Is that your final guess? That is my final answer. Hey, actually, you know what? Hold on. Can I phone a friend? Because I'll call. I'll call somebody and tell them I'm going to win a million dollars. Draft day's official audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is sixty-five <laughs> percent. I don't know why I'm surprised. I shouldn't be. I mean, the, your amount of football statistics is not just football. Your amount of sports statistics is uncanny and like nobody else I know. Which is why everybody should check out Booth Review with Nick and Mike on YouTube. Search that. It's amazing. Hell yes. Do it. Watch it. Comment. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Hit that like button. Um, one last thing, Mike, before we call it a day. It's a firm believer of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it might not be comic books and video games, there's something you're going to be passionate about that you just can't get off your brain. Uh, what are you geeking out about? Well, Robert, you know me. What I'm geeking out about is not you know, uh, comic books and games. Obviously, we grew up together. I'm geeking out about YouTube, and I'm watching training camp for the 49ers for the football uh, schedule to come up. You know, it comes up, I believe, September 10th is the first game, the Chiefs and the Texans. So I'm geeking out about that, and I kind of feel like the dude from Hot Ones right now where I should be like, that one, that one, that one, that one. Tell us how you feel. But that's what I'm geeking out about. Love football. Uh, and if you guys want to come and talk to hear me talk about it, me and my buddy Nick Booth Review or Nick Nectat uh, Instagram. Love it. Love it. Big fan of your show, Mike. Thanks again for your time. Uh, anything else you want to say to the fans before we sign off? No, man. I just want to say I appreciate you having me. I would happily come on again and do another movie. This was a great time for me. Had a glass of whiskey at the time. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the listeners. And, uh, Keep them coming, and we'll keep them coming. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, bro. Dude, what'd you say? I think your fat leg just hit it. My what? Fat leg. My fat leg. Yo, you, you, uh, all right, talk again. Can you hear me? Perfect. That was good. You got some feedback on a little bit there on my side, at least. Maybe it was more my microphone. I don't know.